Hey, Soakers. Last week, we told you all about the tumultuous Recky family dynamic, the way that Sandra Grazzini Recky duped her husband David into a, quote, on-paper divorce, swindling him out of everything, including access to their children. We heard about how her revolving door of lawyers claimed that David had a history of domestic violence and abuse, and how the Recky children refused to speak to or interact with their father. We also told you about all the professionals who saw this as a grueling case of parental alienation and desperately wanted to reconnect David to his children. When we left off, David's sister Tammy had been awarded custody, but the children refused to stay with her. The younger four went off to stay with Sandra's sister and brother-in-law, while the oldest Nico stayed with Tammy. Sandra had just met a new ally and lawyer, Michelle McDonald, who is quite the character. And that's where we pick up today on Bath and Body Parts. Another hearing is held, and this is Sandra's first hearing being represented by our lovely, lovely Michelle McDonald. Oh, man. And Michelle is aggressively argumentative (laughs) from the get-go. She comes in like guns blazing, claiming that Sandra's constitutional rights have been violated, and she claims that Lisa Elliott manipulated the court and had just written up her own order to vacate, and the judge just signed it without question, and uh, uses all of this to basically say in her opening statement that the judge is required to dismiss the order. (laughs) I love that she says that. The judge is required. Like, according to who? (laughs) And, of course, Lisa Elliott rebutted all of this and said that these were ridiculous accusations against her and the judge that were totally inappropriate and that Michelle wasn't even doing her job. Come on, Michelle. Uh, I can't even. It's ballsy, though, right? To stand up and accuse the judge who's hearing the case that you're speaking at. You are required to do this, judge. Corruption. (laughs) And being like, you're corrupt. You're out of here. Dr. Gilbertson comes in to ask that the children be allowed to speak in the court and the judge agreed to hear them in chambers. And this was a really big step in the case because up until this point, he had been hesitant to do that because there was such parental alienation and there right. there were so many like coached stories going on and they had felt like it wasn't purposeful. And so this was kind of a, a, a big deal for sure. Sure. Lisa Elliott was very concerned about this happening for those reasons, but she did ask that the kids go in order from youngest to oldest to keep them from basically just parroting what the oldest kids were saying. And of course, Michelle objected to this. Of course. Michelle objects to everything. (laughs) And at this, this man, this hearing is crazy. At this hearing is also Nancy Who's Sandra's sister, who the younger four were staying with at this point. Because remember... Yeah, Nancy's married to Jay. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And she was there to ask the court to transition the kids out of her home, even if it meant them going to foster care. Which is sad, but I also completely understand. I can't imagine 
she has kids of her own and then she's got these four probably very troubled kids that have been living yes, in this like they're horrible so situation and they're going it can't through be all of easy. this no not at all so even if you had no kids like ha- going from no kids or one kid to two going to four more like that is yeah. a lot of kids exactly. that's a lot and so she she's kind of ready to be done with it and, and she does say you know she can keep the kids in her home until they can be transitioned she's not like dumping them off on the court step right. but she really is ready for a, something to happen to legally change. yeah lisa requests that the kids go with tammy and of course michelle objects to this of course of course and at one point in the in this hearing, the judge asks Michelle why Sandra hasn't completed her mandatory psych eval. And first, Michelle claims that it was completed and that the therapist needed a written court order. And then when the judge is like, okay, well, well, what kind of written court order do you need? I'll, I'll write you one right now. <laughs> she randomly changed her story to say that the court already had it. And yep. he was like, uh, no, we no, literally we don't. don't. <laughs> And then she just changes the story again to say, well, David hasn't turned his in, God. but he had. Michelle. <laughs> oh, She's just all over the place. Oh, it's so good. And also at this hearing comes up the issue of Nico's passport. So Nico has a school trip coming up at this point, and he needs his legal guardian to sign the paperwork and he kind of technically doesn't really have anybody that can sign that paperwork except Sandra which is really dicey situation since he's not living with her but nobody else has been given full legal guardianship at this point so Lisa requested that the judge have her sign it there at the hearing and Michelle objects saying that she shouldn't have to sign it because she doesn't have the kids And the judge is basically like, "Um, this is ridiculous. You have to sign it. And we need a copy of her driver's license. And then she's like, oh, I don't have my driver's license with me. And he's like, (laughs) he even says in the court (laughs) records, he's like, why did I know you were going to say that? (laughs) (laughs) So he signs a special paper saying that Nico can get the passport without her driver's license being provided. Okay. And it's really sad because actually after the hearing, Sandra goes out of her way to contact the school and try to block Nico's trip to Italy and oh tell them gosh, that probably they can't his take like him. one thing he was looking forward yes. to, right? Like and a senior trip, so like a high school trip Ugh. and to Italy. Oh, yes. And so it's really sad that she's like trying to ruin this for her child. Ugh. Now, around this time, Sandra and Michelle's blog warriors are taking off like crazy. They had put out this sort of media stop story, but now they're like churning out post after post after post about the corruption of the court. They're claiming that the children were homeless, which wasn't even true. You know, that the court is siding with abusers. They're garnering up sympathy. And I mean, it's an addicting story and people are kind of eating it up. And again, like we said, they don't necessarily know all the ins and outs. They're just reading the blog and you can say anything anything on a blog right oh totally totally they include testimonials from the older two girls alleging abuse and threats from their father which of course we can look at it and say like we know these are coached allegations but again like these are incensing the public they're reading these words i mean you you see that and you're like oh he's got to burn in hell like that's it and so mcdonald and sandra file a motion to get the kids back 
and that gets denied. And Lisa Elliott files a motion for the youngest four to go live with Tammy. And the court rules that the four children should go live with Tammy. And they set it up where Samantha and Gianna are scheduled to move in on April 19th, 2013. And the youngest two are going to move in a few days later. And that's back into their own house, Mm -hmm. like their space. And, you know, that sounds like a good deal. Exactly. So on April 19th, Nancy has her daughter pick up Samantha and Gianna from school, which is normal, and drives them to the police department. And up until now, nobody has told the kids so that they're going to go back which i i oh. kind of understand yeah yeah um and it does not go well when they find out yeah. so they drive them to the police department and they have dr gilbertson on the phone talking to them explaining that they would be going to live with tammy and that's just the way it was yeah and oh. again like the girls are you know they're teenagers and i imagine yeah. this is really really hard to hear yeah like you just gotta go you have no choice in the matter like that is the underlying thing here with all these kids like you don't have a choice in the matter these things are being decided for you and that is so hard especially when you're a teenager and you're like finding your own voice like oh it is so hard and I don't I don't know how I feel about it because I know I I think that children of that age should be able to have a say but I don't think that at this point they're able to have a valid say because they have been right. completely brainwashed. They don't they don't have a good picture of like what's good for them at this yes. point. Yes. Yeah. So Tammy comes and picks them up from the police station and takes them home and they just stay completely silent on the drive. And they get back to the house. The girls drop their backpacks by the door and remove their shoes. And Samantha goes immediately to take a shower. And Tammy is just like, okay, I'm going to give her some space. And Gianna starts helping Tammy move some of their stored boxes from the basement. Gianna went upstairs ahead of Tammy to take a box. And and Tammy thought she heard a ringtone upstairs but didn't think anything about it because, you know, they're teenagers. And so she gathers up some boxes. and She's going upstairs and realizes that it is eerily quiet in the house. No shower, no voices. No sound, nothing. Scary. Yes. So she calls their names and was met with silence. And it did not take her long to discover that the girls were gone. Their backpacks and shoes still by the door. Oh, like, can you just imagine, like, where your mind goes in that moment? Like, how stressful. This is your first day with the children, and they are just gone. And Tammy's trying her best. I feel really bad for the, Tammy. I do, too. Like, she's trying to keep the kids, like, in the family. Like, she's David's sister, and, like, she's trying to keep the children in their home. And then she's comes up the stairs, and they're gone. Like, oh, oh. So immediately, Tammy calls 911, and then David. A runaway report was issued, but not an Amber Alert because they didn't believe that the girls were in danger. And I'm learning a lot as we do our episodes about the Amber Alert system. And like if they don't consider a teenager, especially in danger, they won't issue an Amber Alert. Right. And a lot of times their kind of reasoning is, well, they went willingly. And I've seen this in multiple cases now. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think that's a good reason to not issue right. an Amber Alert, to be honest, right. or issue some other kind of alert. But yes, they can be There's in danger be like, even if they go willingly. 
Exactly. Because you can get into danger pretty easily when you're a teenager, especially. So that's just interesting, you know, the, the more that I learned about it. But they, they were not considered in danger. And the investigation focused solely on Sandra. A few weeks later, a reporter named Trish Von Pilsom shows up at David's door saying that she's writing a story about parental alienation. And he invites her in and talks with her. And as she's on her way out, she turns to him and tells him that she talked to his daughter and then she leaves. Oh, my (sighs) gosh. So Trish goes to Lisa next. But Lisa had been warned by David, like, hey, this Trish lady, you know, I don't know. She's shady. And Lisa grilled her. But all she would say was that the girls were safe. So this seems like the type of person who jumps on the drama and wants to be part of it and wants to get this, the firsthand story. And it's just like... Uh, She's like it, the Rita Skeeter for Harry yes, Potter fans. She this is story. the Rita, this Trish. Ugh. And less than a week later, a program aired on Fox 9 News at 9. And Samantha and Gianna appeared on the screen crying, telling about how their dad had abused them. And nobody could get any information from the news station or Trish on the girls. And then a billboard appeared with the words, Uniting Against Court Corruption, with a picture of Sandra and five other women who had joined this movement, including Dee Dee Evavold. Someone else who's going to play a big role in this case. And and Dee Dee is really interesting. And I just want to interject a little bit here because the other women on this billboard had gone through divorces or custody battles or some kind of issues with the court. And that's kind of how they got dragged into this movement. But not Dee Dee Evavold. And to this day, it's not super clear how she got so intrinsically involved in this uniting against court corruption movement, but yeah. it's very, very interesting. Maybe she's also a Rita Skeeter type. Maybe so. I think she definitely, <laughs> ugh, we'll get to her later. Yeah. <laughs> so David and Tammy at this point are trying desperately to find the kids, but they can't find them. And with the girls still missing, a motion was filed against Sandra for contempt. But she denied knowing where the girls were. She just said, I do not know, and I have nothing more to say to the court. And she probably said that with her dead freaking eyes. (laughs) (laughs) The custody trial for the kids was September 11th, 2013. The girls at this point are still missing. And on day one, Michelle McDonald and Dee Dee Evavold sat at the counseling table with Sandra. And I don't know why Dee Dee Evavold is there. <laughs> Come on, no Dee Dee. Doesn't make any sense, but whatever. She's there. McDonald opens her arguments again, just guns blazing, (laughs) telling the judge that she is filing a class action lawsuit against him on behalf of the children. Oh, my gosh. Like, she really is ballsy. She really is ballsy. And I don't think you can file a class action lawsuit on behalf of one family. I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, I I don't know that that's the right term, (laughs) but okay. So he basically is like, okay, that's noted. Let's continue moving on. And she flips out, argues, (laughs) insisting that he has to recuse himself from the case now because there's a lawsuit being filed against him. And he's like, nope, I heard you. 
don't care. We're moving gotcha. on with this. Like we've been waiting for this for so long. Oh. And she got so mad. She's argumentative, trying to refuse even moving forward with the case. And he's basically just not having any of it. And finally he gets her to call her first witness, Sandra. Sandra gets on the stand and seems unemotional and bored. I'm sure she had a lot of Probably those dead those eyes. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa asked her about the girls and Sandra claimed that the court ordered her not to look for her children. Like, isn't that lying under oath? Oh yeah. Like, 100%. Girl, 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 Sandra, Sandra, there's no way you believe that the court ordered you not to look for and your missing can, children like easily disprove yes like, the court order says she's compelled to tell them if she knows anything about it it's exactly yeah. the opposite of that <laughs> dr gilbertson took the stand and explained how gino nia and nico are all working on building relationships with their father which is great they're kind of separated yeah. out of this brainwashing situation and the reunification is happening and the therapy and is I'm working. sure that with their, their sisters are missing, you know, oh my and I'm gosh. sure that at this point they're like, they want their dad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like for sure. I mean, I can't even imagine. No. Tammy took the stand and explained how hard they're working to try and find Samantha and Gianna. And they really were. I mean, they're working with missing children's organizations. They're driving around looking for her everywhere that they can think that Sandra might have taken the girls. I mean, they are doing a lot of work. And again, Sandra is doing nothing. Nothing. Mm. On day two... Michelle McDonald walks into the courtroom and tries to berate a court reporter about not taking an accurate record and then whips out her phone and tries to take a picture of the court record. Which Michelle! you cannot what? do. <laughs> and the bailiff stepped in and, and stopped her and settled the, the situation down and, and court started. Julie Friedrich tried to testify and Michelle McDonald just interrupts her so many times that she can't even get a sentence out and then in the middle of questioning her michelle mcdonald like freaks out and says she needs to consult a calendar to see what day november 1st was and she's like do you have a calendar do you have a calendar does anyone have a calendar and the judge is like okay we need to move along and she's like no 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 I, i have to know i need to take a recess and he grants the recess and I'm sure he's at this point. He's like, yes, let's right. take a recess. He's like, I need Gray a Gray. recess from you. <laughs> from you. <laughs> so the second Michelle McDonald steps out of the room, Sandra and Dee Dee grab all of her papers, all of her files and leave. I mean, this is unprecedented. So, like, I'm sure that the, like the bailiff, the judge, I'm sure everybody's just like, what in the world weird. is going on here? So weird. So then... As the recess is coming to a close, a loud noise interrupts the courtroom and the judge looks up to see somebody (laughs) being wheeled in in a wheelchair. And it is Michelle McDonald (laughs) slumped over in a wheelchair, no glasses, no shoes, being pushed by the deputy who just rolls her up to the counselor's table. And steps away. <laughs> and the judge is like, 
what the hell is going on? (laughs) And the deputy explains that because Michelle McDonald was seen trying to take pictures of the court documents, she had to be given a misdemeanor citation. And so he approached her at the break to issue the citation. He had to arrest her, but he told her, you know, I'm not going to handcuff you or anything. We just need your name, date of birth, and address for the ticket, and you can get right back into court. Like, we know that you you are in there doing your job. Yeah. And she just refused to give them <laughs> her name, date of birth, and address. <laughs> and so she ends up getting arrested, and then she just refused to put her shoes or glasses back on or take her belongings, <laughs> and she refused to stand up. So the deputies had to lift her out of her seat, put her into a wheelchair, and wheel her back into the courtroom. Like, I legit am crying right now because this story is so good. It is so good. So then, just imagining this this deputy, right? This court deputy. Dealing with this girl, Michelle McDonald, and he's like, you gotta stand up. And she's like, no. And so he just like picks her up and sticks her on a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my God. So after he wheels her up to the (laughs) table and walks away, court is back in session. But she just sits there, slumped over in her wheelchair, (laughs) refusing to speak, even though she's supposed to be questioning Julie Friedrich. So she just flat out refuses to speak during her testimony. And the judge is just like, um... Okay, for the court record, <laughs> the counselor is refusing to question the oh witness. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then finally she speaks up and complains that she didn't have her glasses, her phone, or her files. So she, she couldn't continue. And again, he's like, this is your doing. Like, for the oh. court record, you refuse to take your glasses. You refuse to take your vote. Like, you have done this to yourself. You didn't give the deputy your information. Like, all you were going to get was a ticket. And just just a little, little side note here. A little cherry on the top. Just a little cherry on top. She actually ended up staying in the jail that night where she wrapped herself head to toe in toilet paper. <laughs> I'm sure she didn't even like originally she wasn't even gonna have to stay in the jail. She was not going, she was just gonna get a ticket. So I'm just picturing the jail worker coming in the next morning. And she's just slumped over. Slumped over. Oh my god. Oh, it is so good. If you are listening to this episode, will you please wrap yourself up in toilet paper and take a picture for us? Because we need somebody to do this. I need it. I need it. Oh my gosh. So, as big of a skeptical as. (laughs) No, that's not the right word. (laughs) I mean, it is though. 
as big of a spectacle as all of this is. The judge refuses to let her derail the trial, and he just kind of pushed forward, translating for the court record what was going on. Gosh. I think at this point, he was just like, these kids have waited long enough, and we are not doing this this anymore. Despite all of Michelle's shenanigans. (laughs) So David gets on the stand and testifies about everything that has happened. Again, reiterates everything that he and Tammy are doing to search for the girls. And the court ends up awarding David sole custody, but said that Sandra should still be involved in their lives. If you'd like to support the podcast, get access to bonus content and extra mini true crime cases, plus get access to our exclusive Bath and Body Parts bath bombs, we'd love to have you join our Patreon as a soaker, super soaker, or bath bomber. Visit patreon.com slash bath and body parts to learn more. Tammy and David continued their search for Samantha and Gianna, who had been missing for four months by this point. David hired his father's cousin, Tom Ruckey, a private investigator. They checked in weekly with the police to update them and get any updates from them. Close to the two-year anniversary of the disappearance, Brandon Stahl, a reporter, reached out to Lisa to ask if he could speak with David. And David hesitantly agreed, you know, after Rita Skeeter came and messed up his life. So before Stahl's article came out, Michelle contacted a political writer for the Star Tribune, Michael Broadcorp, about publicity for her campaign run for the Minnesota Supreme Court. Stahl's article renewed interest in the case because at this point, the girls had been missing for two years. And especially interesting was this tidbit. Dale Nathan, that suspended attorney, had told Stahl that he had been with Sandra the night that she picked up the girls. April 19th. And Michael read the article and noticed Michelle's name and he felt drawn to this case and started trying to discuss it with her. And at one point, even talking on the phone with Sandra, they denied everything and tried to spin the story in Sandra's favor. And they refused to talk about the girls being missing. Then Dale Nathan shows up at his house with audio of the girls, but claimed not to know where they were And he also just didn't want Sandra to be mad at him. And like, if I'm Michael and freaking Dale Nathan shows up to my house, there's two girls that are missing. God only knows what happened to them. I mean, the assumption at this point is that they're alive, but. But you never know. I mean, they've been missing for two years and I would be super freaked out by this entire situation. And he's a freaky dude. He's a freaky dude. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So Dale tells Michael that he asked Sandra for audio of the girls after they went missing and that it had mysteriously shown up in his mailbox. Hmm. He also said that he knows of at least two other parties involved, but he won't name names yet. And he also agreed to do an on-the-record interview. So Michael starts writing and publishing about the case, what Dale tells him, and anything else that he could find. And around this time, Sandra goes missing. Nobody knows where she is. And meanwhile, Dee Dee Evavold started blogging hard against David. And he actually had to have his attorney send a warning for her to stop. Like, she was going at it on her blog. Michael gets called by a friend of Sandra who tells him he knows motorcycle gangs and threatens him to back off. 
And like, not only is that the weirdest freaking threat that I have ever heard, but I know it, motorcycle it comes games. back into the story. There's a reason why we're telling you this little tidbit. So remember <laughs> this, just put a little pin in this, but remember this motorcycle gang dude. Okay. There's just so many good details here. So many. Now, Michael does a lot of writing and a lot of things are sort of coming out about Dale Nathan. And eventually it is enough for the police to finally get search warrants for Dale, Dee Dee Ebevold, and Michael Reedon, who's Sandra's ex-boyfriend that she was dating uh, shortly after the divorce. And pretty soon Sandra finally gets found and arrested. And on November 18th, 2015, 944 days after the girls went missing, the police head to White Horse Ranch in Herman, Minnesota, which is apparently an unofficial, unlicensed, illegal, safe place for children and families. Not so much illegal for families to willingly go there, but for That's so, children to be dropped off so there. So interesting. Unofficial. I had never heard of a place like this before. Like no. just and a I mean, kind of hideout. You know, and like hideout shelters exist. But again, sure. they're designed for like the family to go to together. You're right. Not for you to drop your daughters off and leave them for two years. At a horse ranch. Like, wow. So the girls had actually been at Dee Dee Evavold's house after they had gone missing oh. and the police find evidence of this. And she was the one that helped orchestrate getting the girls to the ranch. And the police ask the owners of the ranch, Doug and Gina Dolan, where the girls are. And they take the police to them right away. They're there. They're like, here they are. Right there. Here they are. Around the corner. Harboring these missing children for two years. And at first, the girls insisted that they would run away if they were returned to their father. And so they were sent temporarily to live with a foster family instead. And an expert in family crisis heard about the case and stepped in and helped with the reunification. And eventually, David was reunited with the girls. Wow. That had to have been a really wild process because not only had they, you know, had this situation before, but they've also been out of the situation for two years like they've been in no contact with anybody and so exactly I don't know if maybe that also led to making it easier to reunite with dad I don't know I don't I'm not know. really sure I I know in the book they describe it as a very emotional I'm sure yeah like and reuniting. even for, for David like he didn't know where his kids were for two years oh my gosh and at some point you have days. to wonder are they alive, right. you know? And it's not right. like you know Sandra anymore. You don't know right. what she's capable of. You don't know where she's taken them. You don't know who she's dropped them off with. Ugh. Oh, gosh, terrible. So Sandra, Dee Dee Evavold, and Gina and Doug Dolan are all arraigned for deprivation of parental rights, which is a felony charge. And Sandra's new lawyer, Jay Grigsby, reveals that they are going to subpoena Samantha, who has turned 18 by this point, and force her to testify, which is not what anybody wants. Nobody wants to further traumatize her at this point. And so to spare her having to testify, the state offers Sandra a plea deal. She would get just probation, no jail time. And they even offered her an Alford plea, which is basically where you say that you acknowledge that the court has enough evidence to convict you, but you don't really have to like say that you're guilty. It's actually the same plea that 
Michael Peterson took in the staircase oh, documentary. Yes. I was like, I know this term. I know this term. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. And so that's pretty, pretty solid deal. But she refused. She yeah. wanted to go to trial. And then, because there haven't been enough shenanigans in this <laughs> case so far, during the jury selection, our own wonderful Michelle McDonald walks through the door trying to come in, and the new lawyer, Jay Grigsby, just like beelines for her and walks her out. Get He's out. Like, no, get out. We do not need you in here no. wrapped in toilet paper, no. you mummy. Get out. And then... A relative of Dale Nathan's shows up and tries to hand out pieces of paper to the potential jurors with handwritten notes saying that the judge told the girls that they would be forced to stay with David even when they were 18 to 20 years old. Like, none of these people have ever been to a jury selection. They don't know the rules. Like, come on, people. You can do this. (laughs) And so... The judge brings him in and warns him, but he is allowed to stay. And then he starts loudly making comments about Sandra's innocence while jury members are walking oh out of God. the courtroom. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> so he was finally banned from the trial. Thank goodness. Yeah. Now, in the trial, Grigsby took the stance that Sandra believed that the girls were being abused and that she was just trying to protect them, which I think is really the only yeah, course a, of action they could take. That's their only solid case. Yes. He also claimed that David was in cahoots with the police, I guess, by frequently contacting them about his missing children. Right. That's an He's indication in that they were, I guess, working together to find <laughs> the children, which, yes, they probably were. Yep. <laughs> Now, the prosecution, again, really did not want to call Samantha to the stand, but Grigsby insisted on subpoenaing her. And at one point in open court, he gives out information about where Samantha worked and her schedule. That, like, cannot be legal. I just feel like that there has to be something, a privacy law, or I don't know, but, like, that just doesn't seem legal no it's not good grigsby is his own little piece of work at one point he somebody asks a question and he flips out and calls for a mistrial and while they're in recess he is overheard bragging to other people about how he calls for a mistrial in like every single one of his cases like he just does it for fun apparently so he yeah interesting so gina dolan testifies that sandra only called the ranch four to five times the entire time the girls stayed there. Oh, that, like reading that, they were gone for 944 days. And you only called five times? That is horrible. And if you really are trying to protect your kids and if you really think that they're in a better situation here, why are you away from them? Right. Why are you not ever calling them? Right. No. Right. No. And unfortunately, the judge agreed to allow Samantha subpoena, which legally it makes, it sense, makes sense why he agreed to. But it was it was going to be really hard on her. Yeah. So they did come up with an idea that she could testify via video conference from a different room so that she wouldn't have to kind of be in the court. Yeah. And, and she just kept her facts very basic. Mm-hmm. She said that she had called her mom 
to come get her the night they disappeared and tried basically to not answer too many questions. It was clear she really didn't want to have any part in convicting her own mother after all the trauma she's been through. But um, the first defense witness was interesting. (laughs) Rick Stinger. And this is the same guy who had threatened Michael over writing about Sandra. Now, he claimed that he had met David in the summer of 2011 and that David had told him that he knew some hell's angels and would have Sandra taken out so that the kids would have to watch her get her head blown off. Like, what is this dude's obsession with motorcycle I think this guy is just like, I really want to be a hell's angel. (laughs) I'm going to tell them that David knew them. (laughs) Yeah, he's like super obsessed. But then like, I picture him like presenting a picture of the motorcycle gangs, but it's Mm -hmm. really just Michelle McDonald. (laughs) In her wheelchair, <laughs> but he's just taken a Sharpie and drawn a leather jacket on her. <laughs> She's got a little tattoo on her arm. It's a heart that says mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never get over it. I will no. never get over this. So fortunately, because he used almost the exact <laughs> same language in his threat against Michael, the prosecution was able to to bring that to the forefront and obviously nobody really believed rick oh man now when sandra took the stand she of course claimed that she believed that the girls were being abused and she was just trying to protect them and she said that after she picked up the girls she went into a subway and when she got back into the car with the girls and dale Dale turned to her and said, you can't take them back. And when she asked why, the girls turned to Dale and said, you promised you wouldn't tell her. Hmm. Okay, Sandra. Um, what? what? D- the girls don't even hardly know Dale. Right. Why would they disclose to him some abuse that they didn't tell you? Like, that's right. just her trying to put it off because she doesn't want to say what actually happened because she has no evidence to back up her claim look up some pictures of dale nathan because (laughs) i wouldn't be confessing anything to this dude no (laughs) no definitely not the prosecution had revealed all of her lies and they had outed her on perjury where she had claimed you know that in the court that she didn't know where her daughters were And they painted her as an absentee mother who had been basically vacationing while her girls were missing. And honestly, I mean, she called them five times. Like, And there's pictures of her out on a cruise and she's got this boyfriend in Florida and all of this stuff. Not a good look. No. In closing arguments, the prosecution literally called Sandra's whole ordeal a shit show. Like they literally said that. I love how everyone in this case is driven the courts so crazy that they're using words like fishy and shit right. show. <laughs> right. They're just using like normal people's speech and not their like they're legalese. Like, we, can't, we can't legalese anymore. <laughs> We're beyond it. At 10 a.m. the next day, the jury had reached a verdict. Guilty on six charges, including deprivation of parental rights, but not guilty on causing a minor to be a runaway. She paid for her $50,000 bail right away. And they only brought forth charges on two counts of parental deprivation. And and I think the, the jury was 
interviewed later, and they did say that the reason why they chose not to convict on causing a minor to be a runaway is because they didn't want Samantha and Gianna to feel Feel guilty guilty. about anything or anything along those lines. And so I think that they, they were definitely trying to do the right thing there. And I think that that is very valid for sure. So Sandra was sentenced to 12 months, but she had time served and she would have gotten 34 days in jail with six years of probation during which she would serve 15 days in jail during each probationary year. But she requested to stay in jail for 233 days instead of doing the probation for six years. D.D. Evavold was offered a plea bargain, which she refused. She represented herself in court because that's very trendy here. And she was found guilty and sentenced to 180 days in jail and eight years probation part of which prevented her from posting about the family on her blog. And I love this. Doug and Gina claimed that they could not go to jail because of their horses. So they were sentenced to 365 days in jail, but they only served 20 days. And I'm like, is is having pets and animals like, can that get you out of jail time? Because everybody's going to be getting plans. horses. Everybody's going to be getting animals. <laughs> I need to uh, water my yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got two very high needs cats here, so I'm good to go. <laughs> Sandra was released in 2018, and she put out a YouTube video called Sandra Sam Grossini Rucky in her own words. And uh, you can I mean, get that's that a, a mouthful watch. right there. <laughs> You can give that a watch if you uh, hate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it Ooh. is just her with her creepy real housewife dead eyes. Oh, my gosh. Sitting and making allegation after allegation after allegation against David. And it's <sighs> it's pretty creepy. It is like a really creepy video. Dee Dee Evavold was released in January of 2017 and immediately started blogging about the Recky family. <laughs> Which she was not allowed to do. (laughs) And she was eventually rearrested after multiple warnings and being held in contempt and still refusing to stop blogging about it. She's crazy. (sighs) Michelle McDonald had no charges brought. (laughs) She actually wrote her own book about the case, obviously, presenting the information in a very different way called... Sandra Grassini Recchi and the World's Last Custody Trial. I want to know if in her book, she details her harrowing <laughs> experience with the deputy and the getting arrested you know, and the wheelchair and the jail. I am adamantly against purchasing this book because yes. I don't want to support her. But no. now I kind of want to read it. Like if the library has a copy of this, I would read it. I would definitely <laughs> read it. But like even the title, the world's last custody trial, you know, that was her whole thing is she wanted mm-hmm. to get rid of like family mm-hmm. court. Like it wasn't the world's last custody right. trial girl. Like <laughs> it happens you didn't every day. do what you were wanting to do. You no, didn't she get sure did make a great toilet paper mummy. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the Rucky children have recanted any allegations of abuse and they've come out and, and said that Sandra did coach them. Sandra told Nia and Gino to run away from Tammy at the bus stop. Uh, that one time that they ran away and, and they've had to kind of come to terms with their own brainwashing, yeah. but they have all formed great relationships with their father. That's good. That's good. Yes. And at Sandra's sentencing, he read a long and eloquent 
victim impact statement. And it ended with a note to his kids saying, you are the reason I made it through this. You are the light at the end of every day. You are my strength, my joy, my life. I would do this again a hundred times if I had to, because it would mean at the end, I would have you. I would have all five of you. I just feel like that's a really great statement. Like it's so emotional. It kind of brings a tear to my eye a little bit. Emotional. Okay, Soakers, that's the story of the disappearance of Samantha and Gianna Recchi. And it's not every day that we get to tell a story with a happy ending. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be our only one. (laughs) And I, I do think in fairness, we do have to say that there is another side of the story. You can hear about it in Michelle McDonald's book if you want to. Um, But there is a following of people online who do believe Sandra and they believe that David is an abuser and that Sandra was just, I guess, trying to protect her kids. And and sometimes on the Reddit forums, they turn to such evidence as, haven't you seen the pictures of her with her children? She was clearly a loving mother. She would never do this. A loving mother would never hurt her kids Mm. and things along those lines. And so come on, bloggers, come on, you know, bloggers like... That's not how it works. No. And if only the world was that simple, right. you know? I want to point out that court corruption exists and domestic oh, abuse exists. And I have no doubt that there are situations out there where courts are sending children to live with their abusers. That is just not where the evidence is in this case. So I do want to point out that we don't take that lightly. And we're no, not at all. We clearly take David's side in this situation, but not because we don't take those allegations and those things seriously, but just because we read the evidence in this case. And that is where the evidence is in this particular case. Right. And I do highly recommend that you read the book, The Girls Are Gone. Some of the reviews are a little negative because it has a lot of court transcripts, but I personally but like, like that. You can see why. Yes, you can exactly. see why. There's so many different court hearings in this case. Like, I do not remember another case that had this much. No. That I've ever heard about. No. And the book is really, it's so good. There's so much I left out here. It goes into a lot of detail about Michael's role in keeping interest and momentum going in the case and this feud that he had with Michelle McDonald, which is really, oh, really man. interesting. Um, yeah. And so it, it's a definitely a book worth a read. And he also has a blog that you can find in our show notes that kind of details the entire timeline as well. And now it's time for self-care and prepare. My self-care tip today is hyaluronic acid, which is kind of like one of the new hit things in skincare. And if you haven't heard of it, hyaluronic acid is a natural sugar that's found in your skin that is super hydrating. It's responsible for all of the moisture in your skin. And so when it's in your skincare products, it's like ultra moisturizing. And I have like the driest, most sensitive baby skin in the history of skin. And products with hyaluronic acid are like a godsend. They're amazing. So, And you can find them like I feel like there's more and more products and like affordable products. I have like this body lotion from Neutrogena that has it and 
you know, my arms and my legs get pretty dry and I'll put it on and I can definitely tell a difference. Oh yeah. Really good. I will it's link really in good. the show notes, um, my product that I'm currently using with it, which is a hand cream that's called Superfood for skin. And it's really Ooh, amazing. Nice. I usually get like super dry, blistery, bleeding knuckles and it's staved all of those off this winter. So, awesome. and my prepare tip is kind of a dual tip. The first is you never know anyone other than yourself. I don't care how long you have known your spouse. I don't care how much you think you know them. You are the only person you know. And the second part of that that is like, that's a scary thought. That's a scary thought. It really is. But also like protect yourself. Yes. And the second part of that is don't sign papers without reading them. Even if it's your spouse, even if you think, no, I feel like the next time I buy a house, the mortgage people are going to hate me because I'm going to be like reading. They give you like a binder, like a binder full (laughs) of papers to sign. And I feel like I'm going to be like slow reading them with Sandra's You're going to pull Sandra? (laughs) I'm just going to stare at it. Well, I feel like now I'm never going to sign anything that my husband brings to me. So even if he brings me like a birthday card for his mom, (laughs) I'm going to read that so hard before I put my name on it. Read it really, (laughs) really slowly and intensely. With my dead eyes. (laughs) All right. We would absolutely love to hear what your thoughts are in this case. Yes. Please Please. find us on Facebook, Twitter, (laughs) and Instagram at Body Parts Pod and let us know your thoughts about Michelle McDonald, Hell's Angels, wrapping yourself in toilet paper, (laughs) and the case in general. (laughs) Catch us next time at Bath and Body Parts. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast and get access to bonus content and extra mini true crime cases, plus get access to our exclusive Bath and Body Parts bath bombs, we'd love to have you join our Patreon as a soaker, super soaker, or bath bomber. Visit patreon.com slash bath and body parts to learn more.